Mary, from the sermon series, Matriarchs of the Messiah, spoken by Pastor Peter, on. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Today is the day that we come together on a Sunday to celebrate the greatest gift that you and I could ever ask for, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. That's why we come and celebrate this day. This is an important day, a day that we're reminded that God loved us so much that he called Jesus Christ to come and enter into human history, to love us and to serve us all the way up into his death on the cross. And we're here because of that. And I'm so grateful that we're here. I want to take a poll this morning. I wonder how many of you are interested in this, but how many of you in this room would like to live under the favor of God? Can I see your hands? How many of you, and even those online, please raise your hands online. How many of you? Oh my God, everyone. You guys are so spiritual. Who wouldn't want to live in God's favor today? I want God's favor. Don't you want God's favor? We all want a piece of God's favor. I still remember when I left work and I told him I was going to go into full-time ministry years ago. I worked in the marketplace for four years. And as I was exiting, so many for the last couple of weeks, so many of my coworkers said, hey, can you put in a good word with the guy upstairs for me? Because everyone wants a little bit of God's favor. But do we really know what that means? Do you know what it means to live under the favor of God? Today, we're going to continue in our series called The Matriarchs of the Messiah. And we're going to look at uh, a young little girl, Mary. She's about 12, 13 years old when the angel Gabriel came to her. But before I do that, can we give a shout out to Pastor Ansi and Pastor Sunita for the past two Sundays for just preaching powerful messages on Rahab and Tamar. Let's give them a little love for that. I mean, sermons I've heard from multiple people, multiple, uh, some of you saying, that uh, you've never heard sermons preached like that on, on, on Tamar and on Rahab. And so thank you, Pastor Sunita and Pastor Ansi, for delivering the word of God. But today we're going to look at Mary. And it's so interesting because when you look at her life, the mother of Jesus Christ, the angel comes before her and he says to her, greetings, you who are highly favored. Mary doesn't rejoice over that. You and I would probably give the angel a high five and be like, that's right. I got God's favor. Mary trembled. The Bible says that she was so disturbed that there was a fear that welled up in her heart where the angel had to settle her down and say, hey, Mary, don't be afraid. What does Mary know about God's favor that maybe you and I don't know? And how do we begin to live in it? That's what we want. We want to answer these two questions. What is God's favor? And how can we live in it today on this Christmas Sunday? And I hope by the end of this, every single one of you would declare and would desire to live under the very favor of God. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, because we're going to continue in the genealogy of Jesus. And then we're going to jump over to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. All right, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Matthew 1, 16. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. And again, Nazareth is like the hood. All right, there's some people say, could there anything good come out of Nazareth? A village in Galilee. To a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you shall name him Jesus. Jesus means the one who saves. 
He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. It's really important that you believe in the virgin birth. Some of you think it might be an option, but it can't be. Because the virgin birth is critical to believing in Jesus Christ as our Messiah because it proves the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in the virgin birth, then you don't believe that Jesus Christ existed before this world began. He did. And the virgin birth is critical for us to believe. All right, uh, verse 30, 36. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has now conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And so God, we come to you today on this Christmas Sunday And God, as we just sang that song, would you teach us how we can find our hope in you? I pray, God, that that would be our sweet place. To get to a place in our lives, God, where we can find our true hope in you. And we would find so much joy, comfort, and peace in that. Lord, we thank you that 2,000 years ago, you loved us so much that you came into this world. And Lord, as we look at this text, I pray that you would help us to understand how we can begin to live under your favor what is required of us if we want to. And so, Lord, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray, God, it would indeed be pleasing unto you. It's in your name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Now, for many of us, when we think about God's favor, we often think about blessings, don't we? Blessings that kind of lead to comfort. I mean, who doesn't want to live in comfort? I want to live in some comfort. We associate God's favor with comfort. Sometimes we associate God's favor sometimes with security, to be safe, right? How many times have we prayed for the safety of our own lives, of our loved ones, our children? We pray for that all the time. And so sometimes we believe God's favor is encapsulated in security. Some of us believe that God's favor somehow is shown through prosperity. Prosperity maybe through finances, prosperity maybe vocationally, or perhaps maybe even relationally. And so when we think about the favor of God, we naturally associate it with it being comfortable, secure, potentially prosperity, prospering our lives in that way. But when we look at this passage, it's anything but that, Metro. Look at how Mary responds again in verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Mary knew her Bible. She knew the Old Testament. She knew that when when an angel or God greeted somebody by saying, you are favored, she knew that what it meant was that God was going to use that person to literally change the course of history. That God was going to use that person to transform the world. He greeted people like that, not only with Mary, but he greeted Abraham that way. He greeted Moses that way. He greeted Gideon that way. And so because of that, Mary knew, she knew her Bible, and she knew that what God's favor meant was that God was going to now use her, she was only 12, 13 years old, to transform the world. Wouldn't you be disturbed? Wouldn't that bother you a little bit? Wouldn't you start trembling with a little bit of fear? I would. And that's where the angel had to calm her down. 
And so what is God's favor? If you want to live under the favor of God, what that simply means is this, that God wants to favor your life in such a way where he wants to use you to transform the world. Living under the favor of God literally means that God has a purpose for you and that's why he created you and it's you living that out so that he can use you to establish his kingdom here on earth. Can I get an amen to that? All right, let me take that poll again now. Knowing what God's favor is, how many of you want to live on God's favor? Let me see your hands. How many? Uh, I would say about 40% of you are not putting up your hands. Listen, I want you to know something. We're going to establish this today. The mere fact that some of you are thinking about maybe not living in God's favor is really sad. Because why wouldn't you want to live under God's favor and his provision? Why would you decide maybe not to? It's a lie that I think we're believing in and we're going to learn this right now. How do we begin to live in the favor of God? How do we live in God's favor in such a way where he will use you to make an impact in this world? It's one thing. I only have one thing for you today that hopefully you can remember and take in. This will be the theme of your life for 2022, okay? If you want to live under the favor of God, what it means is that you have to dedicate your entire lives to denying yourself. You got that? If you want to live under the favor of God, you got to be committed to denying yourself, not just once in a while, not just during Easter time or during the season of Lent, but that you would deny yourself regularly every day of your life. That that would now be one of the greatest things that you do to nurture your spiritual relationship with God. That you would actually put yourself in a place and in a position where you can deny yourself. Because isn't the Christmas story all about that? I mean, God denied himself the the love of his only begotten son, he sent Jesus Christ into this world for us. That's what the Christmas story is about. It's all about denial. And Jesus Christ denied himself the power and the privilege of being God. It says in Philippians 2, he emptied himself of his divine being and became one of us. Entered into this world. And you know how he entered this world? In a barn. Laid in a manger. You talk about denial at a whole different level, Right? So you find that the Christmas story is all about this idea of, being, of denying yourself. And so when we look at this story of Mary, we find that Mary truly dedicated her life to denying herself. When you and I put ourselves in a position where we deny God, we uh, deny ourselves, we are, we are basically saying yes to God and we are saying no to ourselves. That's all it is. Right? And the reason why we say yes to God and no to ourselves is because we truly believe that God knows what's best for us. And because we know, because we believe that God knows what's best for us, we submit ourselves under his care so that he can guide us and we know that his ways are the best ways. That's how you live under the favor of God. You see, the more you deny yourself, the more you have of God and that's why you're favored because the more you have of God, the better your life will be. And so again, will you deny yourself today? Will you put yourself in a position to do that? I find that so many of us as Christians, we kind of live our life in such a way where we really believe we know what's best for our life. And so we tell God how he should do his job. That's kind of how we do it many times, don't we? We kind of figure out, well, this is what I like. This is where I would like to go. This is what I'd like you to do in my life. So God, can you please bless it? If you really are serious about living under the favor of God, it has nothing to do with what you want. Everything to do with you submitting yourself to the Father and saying, God, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, do it. Because I know you know what's best for me. You created me with a purpose. God wants you to live in denial, not to make your life miserable, but so that you can have more of God. And when you have more of God, you are truly favored. All right? Look at how Mary had to deny herself. Let's read the story one more time. Just picture this. Let me just set it up for you. Woman, 
Think about meeting the man of your dreams. Men, think about meeting the women of your dreams. All right? And you're getting married. You're going to get married. All right? We know Joseph was a righteous man. And women, I know, I know, when you meet a righteous man, I know that's very attractive. All right? Mary met the man of her dreams. She just, this is all Mary wanted. She wanted to get married. She wanted to have kids, live a good life, pray, fast, do all the right things that a good Israelite Jewish person does. Is that a bad thing? No. That's what she was hoping for. That's the context and how now I want you to engage with this text that we're going to read in verse 28. All right? She's excited. She's engaged to get married. And here's the angel. And this is what Gabriel says in verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed because Mary knows now, what? You're going to use me to transform the world? Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne his ancestors David, to, of his ancestors David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. She was hoping maybe he would have, uh, he would say, I don't know how that's going to happen. But the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responds, this is how she responds. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left it. Do you know what she's saying? Do you know what she's denying herself of? Think about this for a moment. Joseph loved her. She loved Joseph. We know Joseph was a righteous man. But she knows that if she says, yes, I am your servant, she knows that Joseph is going to break the engagement. Because that means that she had sex outside of their engagement. That's how naturally Joseph would assume that. And that's what he does assume. Because look at what it says in Matthew chapter 1, in verse 18. Let's just read that. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. So Mary knew this. When the angel propositioned her with this scenario of what's going to happen, it was the ultimate form of denial. Because basically what the angel is saying is saying, you got to give up everything for this to happen in your life. How many of you would say yes to that? How many of you would say, I am the Lord's servant? Go for it. You see, what this meant for Mary was not only was the engagement was going to be broken, what it meant for her is that she was going to have a child out of wedlock. That would, that would basically give her an entire life of nothing but shame, ridicule, gossip, a lot of verbal abuse because she had a child out of wedlock. And we also know that a woman that didn't have a man in her life, and Pastor Selena talked about this in the first century, lived a very precarious life. We also know that when she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary knew that there is a possibility that she could be stoned to death because that's what happened to people, to women who had a child out of wedlock, especially if they were engaged to be married. So Mary knew all of this, and in the midst of it, she says, I am your servant. What I love about Mary was that she teaches us how we can deny ourselves. Because a lot of us, when we think about denying ourselves, the reason why some of us didn't raise our hands is because you're always thinking about what you're going to lose. Mary didn't think about that. 
Mary thought about what she was going to gain if she said yes to Jesus. How are you and I going to get to a place where we can deny ourselves well? Is when you focus not on what you're going to lose, but you focus on what you're going to gain. And what did Mary focus on? She didn't focus necessarily on Joseph, her family, her future, living out sort of the Israelite dream, you know, just getting married, having some kids, living a good, comfortable life. No, she thought about giving birth to the Messiah. She thought about what she was going to gain. And that's why literally in the next verse, in the next passage, she sings what we call the Magnificat, praising God for his faithfulness and his favor upon her life. Mary says, I am your servant. That word in the Greek is the same word as slave. Slave, I am your slave. One of the things that's important for a slave or a servant, that's a, part of their, a major part of their job description is they have to learn to deny themselves so that they can please their master. They're natural at denying ourselves. And God wants you and I to put ourselves in that position. So I think a lot of us, we love the idea of being a servant of God until somebody starts treating us like one, right? You don't mind talking about and loving this concept of, yeah, I'm God's servant until somebody starts treating you like it or maybe God starts treating you like it. Then he starts to rub you the wrong way. It's not natural for us to be denying ourselves. None of you woke up this morning and you just said, "Woo! I can't wait to deny myself today. Nobody. You'd be so weird if you woke up in the morning thinking about that. Coming to church, like, I can't wait to deny myself today. Right? Nobody does that. A couple years ago, uh, my good friend Eugene Cho, he's a pastor. He's come here and spoke at Metro multiple times. Good friend of mine, one of our, my closest friends. You know, he's an itinerant speaker. He travels all over the world. And so he actually called me one day and he said, Peter, I just want you to know for United Airlines, I just reached my 1 million mile mark. And I was like, wow, you calling a brag? And he said, no, no, no. He goes, when you hit a million miles on United, um, you can actually share your 1K status with someone. And so he said, I'd like to share it with you. I was like, what? (laughs) Really? Are you sure? He's like, yeah, because he knows like, he knows like how big I am and he knows like, you know, these airplanes are like, they get more narrow and, and there's like no room to sit. And so he knows how uncomfortable, he's, he's, he's seen me that way a couple of times and he just, he felt bad. And he's like, he's like, it's for a year, you can have one case status. And the great thing about, I mean, not the great thing, but I mean the blessing of this pandemic, I've had one case status for two and a half years because the airline's just been so gracious. I've probably taken about a dozen to 15 flights since the pandemic. And I'm going to tell you, like, you know, if you fly United, you board based upon your group. Group one's the first, group six the last. I'm not even in any group. I'm 1K. (laughs) They call me before they even call group one, right? And every time they call me, I'm telling you, I never had one, I never thought for one second, maybe I should go to group six because maybe I should deny myself (laughs) of that privilege of being a part of group one, 1K. Never, I never did that. Never even think about it. I'm like, see you later, losers, and I just go right on in. Right? Half of my flights since then have been upgraded to business class. Half. Never have I ever told the people at the desk, no, 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 no. I don't need it. Give it to somebody that needs it more. Never. I've, I've always accepted it. It's not natural to say you're going to deny yourself of privileges and of good things in life. And I wonder how many times, how many times, have we evaded God's favor because we were unwilling to deny ourselves? How many times have we evaded God's favor because you and I were unwilling to deny ourselves? 
Denying ourselves allows you and I to get more of God. And the more we have of God, the more his favor rests upon your life. Do you really want to be favored today? Do you want to live under the favor of God? I hope so. Because when you do, you have more of God. And the only way you can have more of God is when you can say no to yourself and yes to God. What are some ways in how you can deny yourself? I think you know yourself a lot better than I do. But here are some things that have really helped me over the years that have helped me to grow to denying myself. The first thing that I do that helps me is fast. Fast. And when I say fast, I'm not saying like maybe just during Holy Week. Can you think about in 2022 how often you want to start fasting? Like where, how regularly do you want to do this? I was talking about making fasting a regular part of your life. You're not going to fast because God's going to accept you more. No, we never do stuff like that for that. You fast so that you can feast on God. You fast from food so that you can feast on God. The reason why I fast regularly, and I'm just going to be very vulnerable with you a little bit, I have a little bit of an addiction with food. I really do. And the reason why I fast regularly is because I curb that and I try to keep it in balance. That my appetite for God would be better or greater than my appetite for food. Fasting is important because when you fast from food, it gives you an opportunity to feast on God. How about prayer? How about getting up at the crack of dawn to pray? Right? Jesus did it. Jesus. So if Jesus did it, don't you think it's important that we try to implement that? That you would deny yourself a few hours of sleep? And that you would actually get up in the morning and you would pray? That that would no longer just be something you do once in a while during Holy Week, but that would be something you do every day of your life. That that's a goal. We'll help you. Friday mornings will help you. Join us at Friday morning prayer meetings at 6 a.m. on Zoom. A bunch of us, about 15 or 20 of us, get together every Friday morning. And we just have a wonderful time studying the scriptures that we're going to focus on on Sunday. And then we pray for each other and pray for you and pray for the church. It's wonderful. We'll help you with that on Fridays. But every other day, you're on your own. How about denying yourself of that? That would be good. How about denying yourself your right to not forgive somebody that you consider to be unforgivable? And say, you know what, I'm going to forgive this person because I have to. Otherwise, I will live with a sense of bitterness for the rest of my life. The other thing, and this is oftentimes the hardest, this is the, peop- the things that I've grown in, in the most, is how about you start to think that the people that you struggle with the most, the most difficult people in your life, how about you start to believe that those are gifts that God has given to you so that you can begin to deny yourself rather than nuisance. Now, listen, I'm not talking about those who are abusing you. If people are actually abusing you, you got to get out of that relationship. But I'm talking about a boss who never promotes you and always promotes everyone else. I'm talking about a boss who gives you a hard time, who maybe looks down on you. I'm talking about a coworker that could care less about you and all they care about is going up that corporate ladder. I'm talking about an in-law that you just cannot stand, that just gets under your nerve. Maybe somebody here at church that you don't like very much. Rather than seeing them as a nuisance or as a bother, as a hindrance, why not see them as a gift that God has given to you so that you can begin to deny yourself? That's hard, isn't it? You need good mentors to help you to see that because that's been one of the greatest challenges of my life these days. That the, diff- the most difficult people in my life are invitations from God so that I can grow in denying myself. That's not easy. That's not easy. How about you giving up your desire to want to be liked all the time and you actually ask some people to give you some feedback on how you can grow? Listen, I'm going to be straight up with you. 
if you've never had anyone give you feedback on how you can grow and be a better person, it's, you're not going to fully grow. Because people see stuff about you that you don't even see. Because I think our natural tendency is we don't want to focus on things that are negative about us. We just want to focus on the positives. How about denying yourself the security of always being praised and being liked and being open to having somebody share and love you so much that they'd be very honest about how you can grow? That's a beautiful way in how you can deny yourself. How about maybe sharing some secrets about your life with somebody? Because some of us, our entire lives are built around preserving secrets. And that's not how God has designed you to live your life. God, hasn't, God doesn't want you to live out your entire life by living secrets. He wants you to be fully known so that you know you're fully loved, even in the midst of our brokenness. That's denying yourself. What I love about Mary is that Mary knew how to deny herself. And that's the reason why God God didn't give her something she couldn't handle. She says, I am your servant. I am your servant. What I love about Mary is that she had more faith than Zechariah. Mary's cousin was Elizabeth. She was pregnant with John the Baptist. But when the angel came to Zechariah and said, hey, we're going to give you a kid, Zechariah's a high priest. He didn't believe God. He didn't believe the angel. And he, as a high priest, he should have known the stories of Abraham and Sarah. He should know that God can do this. This is not within his abilities, right? Look at how, look at how he responds in verse 18 of Luke chapter 1. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. My wife is also well along in years, meaning she's reached menopause, right? Verse 19, then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Zechariah doubted so much that he became mute until John the Baptist was born. And he's a high priest. So it's not about titles. I want you to know, pastors don't have the corner market on faith because Mary was 12, 13 years old and her faith blew away a high priest's faith well along in years. So don't say you're too young, you're too inexperienced, you don't know enough. No, it's an excuse. All that's required of you is this. Will you deny yourself so that you can have more of God in your life? Will you deny yourself so that you can be favored by him? That's, what, that's what's required of us. Mary was able to say, I am your servant. Mary believed in the impossible. Mary just didn't know how that was going to happen. When the angel said, hey, you're going to have a baby. She's like, well, how am I going to have it? I'm a virgin. She didn't doubt it. She just said, how is this going to happen? And then he explained it to her. And then she goes, well, then I'm your servant. Zachariah doubted something that was actually unlikely, but it was possible because God already did it in history. It's interesting, isn't it? Mary had such faith. Some of you are probably saying, Peter, but why is God's favor so dependent on us denying ourselves? Why is God's favor so dependent on, den on us denying ourselves? The reason why is because it's in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Each time he said, he meaning Jesus, and he said this to Paul, he said, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And now Paul says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. Why, does, why is it important for you to deny yourself if you want to live under the favor of God? It's because when you and I deny ourselves, we're putting, us, we're putting ourselves in a place of weakness so that God's strength can be perfected in us. 
Jesus says, my strength works best in your weakness. And when you and I can get to a place where we deny ourselves, we're putting ourselves in a position where God can work in us in a very powerful way. Amen? That's what it means for God to work in us. That's what God's favor is all about. It's for his power to be accessed in our lives at its maximum capacity. And Jesus says, it doesn't happen unless you're weak because my, my power works best in weakness. And that's what God is all about. He's all about that. When you look at it throughout the entire Bible, there's this motif and there's this theme where God is always about doing things that often seem impossible and doing the possible through it. And that's why he did give Elizabeth and Zachariah a kid when they were well advanced in years. Same thing with Mary. Um, same thing with Abraham and Sarah. Why did God wait so long? Why didn't God give them a kid when they actually could have a kid? Why did God wait so long for Moses? Moses was 85 years old when God tapped him on the shoulder to go and to, to lead his people out of Egypt. Moses was a fugitive at 85. Why? Why, did he, why didn't God tap his shoulder when he was younger, when he was a teenager, when he was already living in the royal palace? Why did God wait? Why did God tell Gideon to downsize his army from 30,000 men to 300 to go up against an army of 150,000 men? Why? Why would God do something like that? Why would God call Gideon to deny himself of that? Why would God call a little boy by the name of David to go fight an indomitable Goliath? And why would God tell a 12 to 13-year-old little girl who's a virgin to give birth to the Messiah? Because in order for God's grace to work at its most powerful capacity, the element of human capacity must be destroyed. And that's how God works. If you want God to work upon your life, in a powerful way, Jesus says, my strength works best in your weakness. And when you and I deny ourselves, we're putting ourselves in a position where we're saying yes to you, God, and no to ourselves. That's why God wants you and I to deny ourselves. And listen, it worked out pretty good for Mary, didn't it? Because she ended up getting married. Joseph didn't break up with her because the angel came to him and said, hey, don't do that. She gave birth to the Messiah. She had other children. They lived a great life. And for, for 33 years, she raised the Messiah. She got to be in the presence of the Messiah. She got to live with God himself. And I know she had to give him up. I know he had to die on the cross. But then she saw him resurrect from the dead. And what the angel promised 33 years ago, she saw come into fruition when Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. Mary would have never imagined in a million years that God could do something like that through her life. Like many of us, none of us imagine. A lot of us, we just, we're like Mary. We're just like, I want to get married. I want to have some kids and live a good, comfortable life. God has so much more for us on this Christmas Sunday than just that. That if you would be willing to deny yourself where you can say yes to Jesus and no to yourself, that God would have plans for you that you could never even fathom dreaming. And I want you to know that on this Christmas Sunday, the question simply is, if you're willing to say yes to that, you will live under the favor of God because you will begin to learn the beauty of what it means to deny yourself. It's never going to be easy. It's going to be actually very hard. But it's the only way for you and I to be favored by our God. And that's my hope and prayer for you, is that you will begin to center your life in a way where you can begin to deny yourself regularly. You would think it's easy for pastors to do this. You would think it's easy for pastors to deny themselves regularly. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard. It's really hard. You know, we love to preach about being a servant of God, but we're not too crazy about being treated like one. It rubs us the wrong way. It's hard. 
And as I've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by some really older mentors of mine, they come to me and they usually say, Peter, you know, you're at a place in your spirituality now that if you want to really grow and get to a place where you need to get to, they say you got to deny yourself every day. You got to see opportunities, people that you struggle with and stuff as opportunities where God is inviting you to deny yourself. They're gifts in your life. It's been hard to hear that. It's been hard to journey in life where sometimes you have to learn to deny yourself some rights that you feel like you have and just saying, okay, God, well, I'm going to take this as an invitation so I can deny myself. It's not easy. And so a couple of months ago, I thought, you know what, let me take it to a different level. I said, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to deny myself a little bit. Uh, and I told my elder board, I said, hey, you know, would you mind giving me some feedback on how I can grow? You've seen me for the past couple of years as you serve as an elder. Would you give me some feedback on how I can grow as a leader and as a pastor? I said, just send it to me via email, it's fine. And so uh, I, I sent that out. Now I'm gonna tell you, it wasn't easy to send out that email, but I sent it out. And I actually got together with one for lunch and I just said, all right, you don't have to send me the email, just let me have it, come on. Come on, what do you think? What is something that you think I need to work on or, or like a feedback you need me to hear? And I wasn't ready for this, but she said, Peter, I think you have ADHD. And I'm just thinking, what? ADHD? You have ADHD. How dare you accuse me of having ADHD? I mean, a piece of me was dying there at lunch. And I'm like, well, I can't believe she just said I might have ADHD. And she goes, I think you really need to get tested by a professional. I got in my car. I pretended to be real happy. Man, that was hard to hear. It took me a few days to process it. And I started to realize, you know what? It would explain so many things about me if I actually was diagnosed with ADHD. Because do you know how early I get up? I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to write my sermons. You know why? Because I'm so easily distracted. It would explain a lot. About a month ago, my wife was talking to me in the kitchen. She started going, hey, 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 look in my eyes when I talk to you. I'm like, what am I, 10 years old? Why are you talking to me like that? It would explain so many things about me, I think. Another elder sent it via email. She said, Peter, how do you think the staff reacts to you playing favorites? I'm like, come on. Now you're tripping. I don't have any favorites. I love everyone the same on staff. Well, it's okay for me to think that, but I had to ask my staff. So I asked about five of them, and they didn't even flinch when I said, hey, do you think I play favorites? They said, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? And I said, well, could you let me know like, what that looks like? And they, start, they all just started sharing, because I gave them permission to. It was so helpful. One of the best advice I got from one of my staff members, they said, you know, Peter, your favorites have access to greater information about the church than your non-favorites on staff. I thought that was really good feedback. It took a little while to get through all the input and the feedback that I received. And after a while, and I'm, I'm, I'm months behind it now, so I've been able to reflect. I just thank God so much that he favors me so much and loves me so much that he's brought, brought people in my life that love me enough to be so raw and honest with me because I've learned and I'm growing 
as a person, as a pastor, as a leader, as a brother and as a friend, as a husband, as a father. That God loves me so much that he's put people in my life that will be so honest about sharing some feedback and how I can grow as a person. All it took was some bit of denying myself of the desire of wanting to be loved all the time and embraced or applauded by people and just hear honestly what people think about me. And I'm so grateful for it. You see, God doesn't want you to deny yourself because he wants to ruin your life, no. He wants you to deny yourself because he wants to unleash his power in your life. And so today on this Christmas Sunday, will you let God unleash his power in your life? Will you let him favor you at that level? It's going to require you to deny yourself. Like Mary did, like Jesus Christ did on this Christmas Sunday, that he came into this world, gave up his divine privileges, and became a normal human being to love and care for us. Do you want to live under the favor of God on this Christmas Sunday? I hope you do. But it's not going to happen unless you deny yourself. May you begin to do that, and may that be one of the most richest spiritual practices that you do for the rest of your life. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And so, will you deny yourself? I'm going to ask you right now if that's something that you want to do because you know you can't live under the favor of God without it. Would you go to him and say, God, I will deny myself. And maybe for some of you, denying yourself is looking at some people that you always can seem to be difficult. Some of you demonize people. Maybe they can be invitations that God has given to you so that you can grow in denying yourself. Maybe God can give you a perspective about those people that you've never seen before that will help you to at least understand how they behave and react sometimes. Maybe for some of you, it's a family member, whatever it might be. But how will you deny yourself? Will you go to God right now and say, Lord, I will deny myself. I'm going to give you a few moments to do that, and I'm going to close this in prayer. Some of us need to deny ourselves of ourself because so many times the greatest competitor that prevents God from being God in our lives is ourselves. So maybe you can say, you know what, God, I'm going to start denying myself. And I'm going to trust that if I say yes to you, that you're going to open up a world of possibilities I never thought I could actually experience and live into. And maybe today you can pray a prayer of death upon you being the center of your life and you allowing God to be in the center of it now. And you follow from behind, not from front. Some of you Perhaps maybe if you've been invited to come to this church or maybe if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have an opportunity to deny yourself at such a level where you can 
say yes to Jesus. You can't say yes to Jesus unless you're willing to deny yourself. You got to let Jesus be Lord of your life. If you've never said yes to Jesus before and you sense God doing something in your heart and you want to take that step and say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself today. and I'm going to surrender myself to your Lordship. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. If you're watching online and maybe you sense that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Would you say this prayer quietly where you are? Lord Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I pray that you would come and forgive me of all of my sins and help me to live my life to deny myself so that I can live under the favor of God. If you've prayed that prayer, the heavens, the Bible said that the heavens are rejoicing because your name is written in the book of life. So God, would you help us on this Christmas Sunday to deny ourselves, Lord? I mean, we have an option not to, but if we do, we're just going to live a very comfortable, maybe just a, a boring Christian life. Lord, help us to know that the way to really find life is when we can begin to deny ourselves so that we can be favored by you the way Mary was. And God, would you use us to impact this world, to establish your kingdom here on earth. I pray that you would show us that our life is meant more than just for us, that you want us to be a conduit of your love, your grace, and your mercy to others. And that doesn't happen unless we're willing to deny ourselves. So would you help our church as we go into 2022 to get to a place where we can begin to deny ourselves more and more. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen.